Hey, if you're looking to get connected with Mental Berean Church, we're not going to take a long time right now to show you all of the events going on, but we want you to get into the Church Center app. If you go onto your app store, whatever app store you have, Apple One or the Google One, and you search for Church Center and you download the app, you tell that that Mitchell Berean is where you are. You go to events, and then you can see all of the things we have going on. If you sign up for Church Center here today, you have the opportunity to win either a group of family tickets. We're doing two family two family rounds of tickets and five individual tickets for the Sanctus Real Tim Timmons and uh, Stars Go Dim concert. That is next week right here in this room. Um, on Saturday morning, or Saturday evening, um, this coming Saturday. So get into the Church Center app, get registered, and you may be eligible to win um, some free tickets. Hey, Christ is risen. That gives us joy. What a joyful time. We've gone through several days of mourning the death of Jesus and the sin that was nailed to the cross. It is finished. It is finalized by Christ's resurrection, proving He is God. That gives us joy, doesn't it, church? That gives us joy, doesn't it, church? Let's sing for joy. We worship the God who was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison doors. He parted the raging sea. My God, he holds the victory.
taking out a seat. And if you look in your Bible app, your YouVersion Bible app, all of the notes and scripture for the message here will be in that app. Man, good to see you all. You, you dress up pretty nice. Hey, um, <laughs> happy Easter. <clears throat> He's risen. All right. Hey, um, we're in a series on forgiveness, and this Easter 2022, as we uh, move into uh, the theme for this weekend, as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, our Savior. You know, the, the resurrection is so important for a number of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is that it demonstrated that Jesus' death on the cross on Friday had the power to pay for your sin, had the power to pay for my sin. That's what the resurrection proved. And as we focus on uh, forgiveness this month and next week, we're going to be looking at uh, how we need to forgive others. Um, it's so difficult for us. This concept of forgiveness, man, it's hard for us to practice. Maybe not for you, but maybe the person next to you. Maybe somebody that you know. It's hard. We know we need to do it. And yet it's difficult. We wrestle with it. And today I want to kind of focus in on the difficulty we have at accepting God's forgiveness. Difficulty we have sometimes in asking for God's forgiveness. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, he uh, had a reputation and it wasn't the greatest. You know, he was a teacher. He was a, um, a rabbi. So he had some credibility. He hadn't gone through kind of the the right schools and the right training, but his abilities, the power with which he taught, the authority with which he taught, and of course the miracles he performed uh, caused people to follow him in mass, and many were looking to him, uh, thinking that he was the Messiah, hoping that he was, right? And yet as Jesus walked the earth and interacted with people, he spent a lot of time with tax collectors and notorious sinners, and in Luke 15, we encounter this problem. You know, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they criticize Jesus. They're like, Jesus, you're supposed to be a religious leader and a teacher. You're supposed to be up here in terms of your reputation. But you're starting to get the reputation of being a glutton and a drunkard because you're hanging out with the wrong people. And so Jesus, in Luke 15, tells a series of stories trying to explain to them why he was doing what he was doing. And in Luke 15, we get the beginning of the story and we find that he's going to tell a story of a couple of sons. That's the one I want to focus in on. We kind of know this story maybe as the prodigal son. You've heard of it probably, but the story is really about two sons. And he tells it to this group of Pharisees, religious leaders, and the people around by way of trying to allow them inside of God's heart and mind. Why is it? that Jesus was doing what he was doing? Why was he pursuing the people that the other religious leaders would have discarded? The story starts off uh, that we're focused in on in Luke 15, verse 11, and this is how it goes. Again, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want, to sh I want my share of your estate now before you die. Now to Jesus' audience, this would have made jaws drop. Um, it would have caused emotion to rise up in them because this was unheard of. I mean, this younger son is asking something and saying something in this request that was so disrespectful and so unthinkable, it would have shocked Jesus' audience. The son was basically saying to his dad, hey dad, uh, thanks for, you know, helping bring me into the world. <laughs> thanks for everything you've given me, but I really wish you were dead. I want the stuff that I would get when you die, but instead of waiting until you die, I want it now. And uh, what a disrespectful, preposterous thing to say. The story goes on, though, to shock Jesus' audience in that it goes on to say, so his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, you got to understand that this estate that he speaks of, this inheritance that he wants, it was really tied to the land that the family owned. And to understand the history behind it, we've got to go way back to Abraham. You remember when God chose Abraham in the book of Genesis and he said, I'm going to make a people out of you, right? I'm going to turn you into something amazing. I'm going to minister to the world through you. 
He said, Abraham, I'm going to make a covenant with you, and there's going to be three things I'm going to give you. And I'm making a promise to you. It's a vow that I will accomplish these things. And the first thing I'm going to give you is land. See, land was everything. It it uh, allowed them to have the resource to, uh, to, to build um, wealth, to, to raise a family, to exist. Without land, there wasn't much of anything. And so um, as the nation of Israel came out of slavery in Egypt and they moved into the promised land and Moses got them up to the, the, um, up to the promised land and then Joshua led them in as they conquered the land and took it over, God had promised them land. See, each tribe was given some land to belong to them and then it was divvied out among the individuals, the men in the tribe, so that they could raise a family, so they could provide for themselves, and they could pass it down to their children. This young son was saying, Dad, I want you to sell my share of the estate. I want the cash. And that would have meant to parcel off a bit of this land that was so sacred to them, it became part of their identity. Again, a shocking request and an unbelievable response. The story goes on, a few days later, his younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there, he wasted all his money in wild living. The son packs up his stuff. He, Dad, thanks. <laughs> Again, uh, appreciate you, but I'm out of here. I really care more about the things that you are providing me than I care about you at all. And so I'm going to move as far away as I can. I'm going to go to another country. I'm going to leave my people. I'm going to re- leave everything, anything that would be associated with the upbringing I've had. I want to go my own way. I don't want anything to do with my people. And so almost out of a disdain for himself and the way he was raised, he goes to a different land and he takes charge. He thinks he's going to have a great time and everything's going to go wonderful. The problem is his plan is not sustainable. He just blows it. He wastes all this money, this, uh, this um, wealth that the family was given, this precious gift from God. He throws it away. Well, the story goes on to say that about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs, even the corn husks, the corn cobs that he was feeding the pigs, even those looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. He ran to a distant land with all this money and he was going to have a great time. He blew it all. A famine hits an economic downturn, <laughs> no, a complete collapse. And because he's a foreigner, he has no family, nobody cares about him. Nobody's gonna help him. He's left all alone, isolated with nothing. You know, the truth is, this is a picture that Jesus tells in this story of a lot of us and might represent most of us at some point in our lives where we say, hey, I don't even know if I care that there's a God. I'm just gonna live my life the way I want to. I'm going to enjoy what's here. I'm going to try to get everything I can. So if there is a God, gee, thanks, God, but I don't want anything to do with you. I I, I want to be in control, and I'm going to do things the way I want. And just like the young son in the story, by the way, isn't it always the younger son? No, just like the younger son. Just kidding, younger sons. Just like the younger son in the story, we try that same thing. And if we're willing to admit it, be honest for a minute, the way we're headed in control of our lives, it really doesn't lead to what we were hoping for. It really doesn't produce the life we hoped we would have or we envisioned for ourselves. And this is the picture that Jesus is giving us, giving his listeners of the state of most of humanity. Running away from God as fast as we can. Don't really wanna have anything to do with him, we just wanna enjoy the life that he created, that he put us here to enjoy. Isaiah 53, 6 says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've all turned to our own way. Sadly, just like this younger son, a lot of us want God's stuff instead of really wanting him. 
was far too wide But from the far side of the chasm You held me in your side So you made a way Across the great divide Left behind heaven's throne To build it here inside And there at the cross You paid the debt I owed Broke my chains, freed my soul For the first time I had hope Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied Thank you, Jesus, it has washed me white Thank you, Jesus, you have saved my life Brought me from the darkness into glorious light You took my place, laid inside my tomb of sin
Jesus' audience would have been furious at the younger son. His insolence, the way he disrespected his family, took the possessions that belonged to the family, were provided by God for the family so they could make it, they could be sustained, they could grow together. And to squander and waste it on wild living and sinful living, they would have been furious with him. The story continues as we watch this rebel, um, like many rebels, he runs into a wall. Uh, He runs out of money at the same time, everything falls apart. He's left destitute and helpless. And what's going to happen to this young rebel? Well, Jesus continues the story like this. The next phrase is very impactful and powerful. It says this, when he finally came to his senses. When he finally came to his senses, you know, um, if we're lucky, us rebels who head down that path of our own determination, we're going to control things, we're going to dictate the future, we're going to make it. If we're lucky, we run into a brick wall and things don't work and they fall apart and we are left with our thoughts and the, the food being fed to the pigs and we're left to wonder, is this really what it's all about? It takes some humility to come to our senses. It takes a willingness to acknowledge that things aren't working the way we thought. We have a ministry here at Mitchell Brain called Celebrate Recovery, and uh, the first step uh, really in overcoming anything, whether it's a hurt from our past, whether it's a habit that we can't kick, whether it's a hang-up that we just can't move forward with, the real first step, kind of the key, the beginning point, is to do what this young son did to say, this isn't working. I'm, I'm powerless to control my life. The direction I've been going just isn't producing the results that I thought it would. And so when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, you know, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Even at home, the lowest on the totem pole, they have food to eat. They're not starving to death like I am. My path just hasn't worked out. So he thinks to himself, I'll go home to my father and say this. And he prepares carefully a speech he's going to give to his father. He's going to say this, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. He's going to confess. He's going to come clean. He realizes that what he's been doing, the direction he's been going, it doesn't work. It didn't lead to what he thought. It actually led to a worse place than he ever envisioned he would be. In the pigsty, feeding the pigs and wishing he could eat their food. There's gotta be something better, man. Even the worst, even the lowest people in my dad's house have plenty to eat. So he continues with his speech. I've sinned against both heaven and and you, dad. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. I have forsaken my position, my identity as a son of yours, as an heir of yours, as part of your family even. So dad, I acknowledge that and I'm just gonna lay that down and and just, um, just confess that I really have gone too far. What I did is too much. I burned that bridge to be known as part of your family. But dad, please, would you take me on as a hired servant? Hired servants weren't even as high up as slaves. You know, slaves got to live on the property. They were kind of part of the family in these days, but a hired servant lived in town and just came out to work. And really what the son is saying in all this is, dad, I know that I took from the family and I blew it. I know I don't really deserve to come back, but would you take me back and just let me pay you off? Would you let me work to repay what I stole and what I took? So having prepared this speech, he heads home. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. It's kind of interesting, the father's position here. Um, We can kind of envision living out in the country, and uh, when things happen, when there's movement, something's coming from a long ways, you kind of have a tendency to notice it. But what's intended here is that the father was looking He was watching, he was waiting with anticipation. And even when the son was a long ways off, man, he recognized him. 
you got to know that with everything in his being, he was praying that it, this son wasn't dead, lost forever, but that somehow, some way, he would come back home. And so as the son is a long way off, the father sees him, and the next words are so powerful, so unexpected by Jesus' audience, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, Jesus' audience would have been shocked by this response. Dad could have had a lot of responses to seeing his son coming down the road. And like, this better be good. Boy, he better be, <laughs> he, better, uh, he better have something good to say, a good explanation. He better have a good answer. Because in order for me to even want to talk to him or allow him on my property, <laughs> I'm going to have to see something pretty big. But this father looking down the road, he doesn't react that way. And Jesus is saying to his audience, you got to understand, guys, this is the father's heart to the rebels, to the sinners, to the tax collectors, to the notorious people. This is why I spend time with them. This is why I go after them. Because this is God's heart full of love and compassion. So many people think because of their sin, God's just up there waiting to blast them with a lightning bolt. He's waiting to do something uh, uh, painful to them, to punish them. That's the impression they have of the Father. No, Jesus says you, you got it all wrong. Everything you ever thought about God is wrong. He's filled with love and compassion for you. And the minute he sees you coming back, he's gonna run. He's gonna run to embrace you. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son. He embraced him, he kissed him. Listen, Middle Eastern men, Middle, Middle Eastern patriarchal men, they did not run, <laughs> all right? And if you've seen, if you've seen me run, if you've seen an old man run, you know why. <laughs> it's not very pretty, okay? But also beyond that, it's not very dignified. It isn't dignified, and yet this father throws all dignity aside. He doesn't care what he looks like, what people think of him. He pulls up um, his, uh, girds his loins, that they said. He pulls up, you know, what they wore. With, we kind of call it a dress today, but it wasn't. They pull it up, Right? His legs are showing, the patchy hair that's falling out, white legs. He doesn't care, man. He runs to his son. All he cares about is being with him again. He embraces him. He kisses him. His son starts into a speech. Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, he confesses. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And as, just as he's about ready to go on, father stops him. <laughs> you, you don't understand, son. Like I've, I've heard enough. In fact, I didn't need to hear your speech at all. You're here standing in front of me. But his father cut him off and said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. Dress him up. The ring was a signet ring. It would have had the family, it would have represented his position in the family as a son, as heir Dress him in some good clothes. He's back. Son, I don't care what you did. I don't need to hear your speech. You're back here with me. That's all that matters. Father goes on to say, kill that calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Jesus is saying to the audience of religious leaders, self-righteous folk who believe they've done everything right, and they're looking down on these outcasts, these sinners, these rebels, going, you don't understand. You don't understand God's heart for people. You don't have God's heart for people, and you don't understand how God views people. But here's how he views them. When a son or a daughter runs away, walks away in rebellion, lives in wickedness and sin, but recognizes his position, her position, wakes up and comes back. Here's how the father reacts. He embraces them. He pulls them in. He kisses on them. He reinstates their position. See, worthy to be called your son, right, this statement that the son comes up with is to not to recognize what it means to be a son or daughter. See, you're not a son or daughter of Jesus because you're worthy. You are because he created you. You came from the genius 
of the mind of God. The Bible says he formed you when you were in your mother's womb. He knitted you together. Do you understand that you exist because God invented you? He came up with you. And he created you for one reason, really, and that is just to have a relationship with you, to love on you, to give you good things, and to be with you. And yet this younger son wanted God's stuff instead of him. But the good news is he woke up and he came back. And he still was hoping for some stuff. But what he got was the full embrace of God. I don't know where you're at today. Are you that rebel running away, still trying to do things your own way? I want to call you to understand why you exist. You exist to know God, to walk with him. And if you're not living that way, you're not experiencing life the way the one who created you wants you to. Would you all just bow your heads for a minute if you're here this morning and you need to come back to God. You need to make a decision to trust him again or come back to him. The reason it says come back to God is because he's the one who created us. We came from him. But we've gone our own way. We've gone astray. If you're here this morning and you need to come back to God, would you just lift up your hand? I want to pray with you. If that's you this morning, would you just pray with me? God, I know I've run away. I've gone my own path. I've walked my own direction. I want to come back. I didn't realize that you would embrace me. I was scared. I thought you were going to judge me or destroy me. I didn't realize really what your heart was. And so, God, I want a relationship with you. I want to know you. And if you would forgive me, I put down my pride. I put down my shame and embarrassment. And I just, I just want to be with you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. I want to live for you. The Bible says that if we put our trust in him, his forgiveness is complete and real and full. If you prayed that prayer this morning or if you need to talk to somebody, would you just uh, go onto that church center app that Ken was talking about? There's a card in the back and seat back in front of you. You could fill the card out, but man, I just want to connect with you. I want to help you understand what God's done for you. If you've got some hangups, some confusion, some guilt, some shame, would you just connect? Would you reach out? We want to help you step into that relationship that God wants to have you, uh, have with you. That's what he created you for.
placed your faith in Jesus Christ because he is the one that does the work. Our salvation is not based on us living perfect lives. We can keep coming back to Jesus. And our salvation is secure because he finished the work on the cross. He didn't leave any part of it undone. He proved he was man by dying. He proved he's God by raising. Sing with us. God so holy You see my heart and still you gave your son to save me to save me Who can stand to condemn me now What can shake this solid Trust in the Son of Man. Now the furthest I can fall is in His hand. Forgiven. Oh, my forgiven. Now my name is written. that was the end of the story would be pretty powerful, um, pretty amazing. A uh, young man who went astray, who recognized the error of his ways, came back to the Father, 
hoping to just earn his way back, pay off his debts, but the father embraces him and loves him, and as moving as that might be to us, you got to understand that Jesus' audience were not moved by it. Well, they were moved, but they weren't very happy with the response of the father. He let him off too easy. That's not what should have been done. He needed to pay for what he's done. You know, he's just going to do it again. You know, those kind of thoughts are probably what the uh, Jesus audience there, the, the religious leaders he was speaking to. So he doesn't stop the story there. Remember, it's a story of two sons, and he goes on to tell the rest of the story. See, while all this party is going on, while the rest of the house, house is, is, um, <clears throat> is having a great time celebrating the return of this younger son, the story goes on this way. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. The older son, the responsible son, the one making sure that things got done. You know, somebody has to do the work. We can't all have a party and have a good time, right? Uh, somebody's got to be responsible, and so that's where the older son was. When he returned home, Jesus said, he heard music and dancing in the house. He grabbed one of the servants and said, hey, what's going on? Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fatted calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. You might think the brother would be encouraged, would be thankful. His brother's not dead, that he didn't fall on some calamity. But the older brother, Jesus goes on to say, was angry. And he wouldn't go in to the house. See, this older brother, maybe you can relate to him. He wasn't very happy, obviously, with what his younger brother did. The disrespect to the family, the waste of the wealth, the the foolishness with which he acted. Probably somewhere down in his heart, he kind of wished he would have gotten killed somewhere. Or at the very least, he'd never see him again, never have to deal with him. And so, when it comes to being uh, told that his younger brother's alive, he's back home and dad's throwing a party, man, he's, he's not happy. He kind of throws a fit, makes a scene, stays outside. While he's standing outside, refusing to come in, it, Jesus goes on to tell the story that his father came out and begged him, please come into the party. Please come in and celebrate with us. But the older son replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fatted calf. Dad, you got to be kidding me. I mean, come on. This is how we're going to respond? You know, I've been here the whole time. I've been doing the hard work. When you told me what to do, when the chores need to be done, when something needs to be taken care of, when there was a calf coming in the middle of the night, right? I got up and did it. Never asked for any thanks. Never, never questioned anything. I just worked hard. I worked like a slave. That choice of words is important. And then, not my brother, but this son of yours. It's kind of what I get from my wife when my kids are acting up, or when they did. They're all perfect now because they're out of the house. <laughs> but when they acted up, that son of yours, you know what he did today, right? This, this, uh, this older brother's like, when that son of yours, not my brother, I'm not claiming him anymore, but when he comes home, man, you throw a party. Are you kidding me? Can't believe it. His father says to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed with me, and everything I have is yours. You've already got it all. You've had it the whole time. But we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he's come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Jesus is talking to the Pharisees right now, right? They're the older brother. 
they disdain these folks that have walked away from God, they're living in rebellion, that aren't following the law, they're not doing what they're supposed to do, they're living in sin. And their heart towards them is just like this older son. Man, I wish they'd just go away. <laughs> I wish we hadn't had to deal with it anymore. So frustrating, so angry at them. But Jesus is trying to reveal to them, listen, you've got a problem too. Yeah, you've been responsible, you've stayed home and worked, but really you did it for the same reason. The younger son told me he wanted me to cash out uh, his part of the estate and leave. You've stayed here and worked for me like a slave, you say, because you really want my stuff too. Instead of wanting a relationship with me. Self-reliance, self-righteousness are every bit as much a sin as rebellion, as living in wickedness. And Jesus is trying to point out to the Pharisees, you guys have a problem too. <laughs> yeah, you're the good son, you, you've done all the right things, but you, you don't understand, I don't want all your good work, I don't want all your hard effort, I mean, that's wonderful. Yeah, we're working together, we're part of a team, but don't you understand, we're doing it because you're my son. <laughs> I want a relationship with you. See, it's easy to be the good son and do the right stuff and still miss why we were created. You weren't created just to do good, good work, to work hard, to be responsible, to keep the rules. You were created, you good sons and daughters, you were created too to have a relationship with God, to know the Father. And the hard thing is, as the story ends, there's no conclusion. The son's left outside. And Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, what are you going to do? Are you going to understand the heart of God for everybody? Are you going to connect to the family? Are you going to be a part of what I'm doing? There was a young girl, Christina. She grew up in a poor Brazilian home. Family didn't have much, and she was pretty frustrated with the dirt floor in her home, the pallet that she got to sleep on, the wood stove that would provide some warmth in the cool nights. She thought there had to be something better. Maybe life in the city would be more exciting. And so one night she snuck away, leaving the house. Well, Maria, her mother, woke up to see her gone. She was brokenhearted. She knew what her daughter was planning to do. Her daughter was beautiful and hard-headed, and she was determined, and she had run off for the city. And so Maria gathered her things. She got the money she had, and she headed to the bus stop to get a ticket so she could chase after her. She knew she, where she was going, and on the way, she stopped at the drugstore, and she sat in one of those photo booths, and she took as many little black and white pictures of herself as she could, as she had money for when she ran out of pictures or ran out of money, um, she grabbed up her things and got on the bus and bought her ticket and headed to the city. And on the way, she wrote a little note on the back of every one of those pictures. And when she got to the city, she kind of knew where her daughter would probably end up because she didn't have any skills. She didn't have an ability to make money. She didn't have any, um, uh, any way to make it. And so she knew pretty quickly she was going to get hungry and, and some man was going to see her and because she was pretty and she was young and she was vulnerable, he was going to offer her a way to make a living. A way to make a living she would have never considered before she left home. And yet, mom kind of knew that's where she would end up. And so she went to that part of town and she started putting her picture up, these little pictures up, every place she could think of. She went into the restaurants and the, um, and the hotels. She went into the bathrooms and she stuck up all the pictures she could find, and she's looking for her daughter. Has anybody seen her? Well, she finally ran out of pictures, and uh, she ran out of money, and she hadn't found Christina yet. And so, uh, discouraged, she got on the bus to head back home, just praying that some way her daughter would see one of those pictures. And, well, <clears throat> time went by, and sure enough, Christina had things went the way mom thought they would. She didn't have an ability to make any money. She was desperate. She went to the city for dreams. She thought it would be an amazing experience. Instead, she was stuck working for a living by having encounters with men who used her. After one of those encounters, she came down the stairs of the hotel, walked into the bathroom, and in the corner of the mirror, she saw a little picture, and she was drawn to it. As she got closer, she recognized the woman in the picture was her mother, and she took the picture, flipped it around, and read what was on the back. 
And it said, doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you've become, just come home. And can I tell you that Christina went home? I don't know where you're at. I don't know which prodigal you are. If you're the rebel running away as fast as you can, wanting God's stuff, wanting the things he's created for you, the life he's given you, but not wanting a relationship with him. I don't know if you're the good son who's done everything right, the good daughter who's kept all the rules, but you don't know God. I just want to call you today and remind you today that what God wants with you is a relationship. He wants to walk with you. He wants to open his life to you. Like that's why he made you, not so you'd be a good person and do good things. No, he just wants to love on you. He wants to walk with you through this life. Would you open your life to him? God, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the powerful way in which you reveal to us through Jesus who you are, your heart for us. God, we confess that so often we get busy, we live this life, and we don't really take the time to connect with you. We don't, we don't connect to your spirit who dwells within us. We don't live out that relationship. We get busy trying to work hard and do stuff and get what we want. God, would you just forgive us of that? Would you help us to humble ourselves a little bit and to put down the pride, either the pride of self-righteousness and self-reliance or the pride that we want to do it our own way and, and just come back to you. Thank you that the invitation is always there and your forgiveness is always free. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you, but in my own story, my own life, I've been both kinds of prodigals and I'm grateful that God, our Father, is willing and open, has his arms wide open and he runs after me welcome me back to himself. Would you thank God with me? There are people in this room who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. People across this valley and this state, nation, and world who have placed their faith in Jesus. Those of us who know Jesus, are we going to be the second kind of prodigal who stands and says, why would you redeem them? No, let's celebrate with them and thank God for redeeming them and for redeeming us. To the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond.
giving us life. If you have any questions or you have any doubts about where you stand before God, before the Father, please don't hesitate to ask. Come up and talk to somebody. Talk to one of our elders. Ask somebody on, on church staff to point you in the right direction. Get this settled right. If you were to die, where are you going to heaven? And you can know that for sure. So we'd love to talk to you about that. Hey, remember we've got Sanctus Real, Tim Timmons, and Stars Go Dim coming on Saturday. Get your tickets for that. They're going fast. Get signed up in Church Center, and we'll be doing a drawing today for that. Um, so if you don't get a message today, um, you probably didn't win. Sorry. <laughs> so we'll do that today here and get that taken care of. Blessings. Have a wonderful Easter. Love seeing you. Blessings to you.